0: Welcome again to this part of the service where we teach. Thanks for everyone who's taken part in the service up till now and for the media team for editing it all. Thank you for that effort you've put in. Children, welcome. Just reading this week about how Jesus said basically the kingdom of heaven belongs to the children and those who uh, view Jesus in the same way as children do. You've got a lot to teach us about how to understand the living God. If you are into drawing stuff, draw church people in a building happy. And then one or two people outside of the building sad. Just sat on their own and sad. Um, thanks to Nick who read all those little passages. Today's theme is... Basically, there's no being saved, there's no salvation outside of church, and by church I don't mean like the building, I mean being connected to the group of God's people, because some people can't get to church at the moment, but they can still be part of church as we connect with them, meet with them, chat with them, pray with them, all of those things, so... The children are bundling us all together in a building, in their drawings, um, and then some sad people outside of church. I think this is one of the most important sermons I'm going to preach. And we're still on, like, how do we go forward after September? I've I've done that for a couple of weeks now, and we're going to do the same. How do we carry on being saved from godlessness, non jesusness non jesus <clears throat> How do we get saved from living without Jesus and his church? And how do we carry on? We've been saved. We're being saved. We will be even more saved on that great day. How do we get on with that and bring others in to join us? Well, so the title is Outside of Church There's No Salvation. <clears throat> Basically, people, Jesus saves the world through church through local churches like this one and my dream is that everyone listening if you're not already that you come to Jesus now just start turn, repent from life without him, pray to him now put your eyes of faith on him about and how amazing and awesome he is and then commit to the church join this church plug in Serve, be taught, pray with us, take sacraments with us, grow with us. From this weekend on, get in touch. I want to join Park End Church and you will be saved. Basically, you can put it as blunt as that. Join Jesus and his church and you will be saved. And if you don't, you won't be saved. Not necessarily like just this church. If you're not part of a church, you won't be saved. It's like quite an incredible message because Jesus uses church to be saved. That's why um, people, children, are drawing happy people in church, church life. So um, you obviously all know Saint Cyprian, um, third century uh, church leader. He said this: outside of church, there is No salvation. Another group teach this, and I think they're right. All salvation comes from Jesus Christ, the head, and then of what? He's the head of his church, which is his body. So all salvation, people get to meet the living God and get saved from sin, death, and decay through... The body of Jesus on planet Earth right now, the visible body of the living God to get connected to, to join, to feed on, to be part of. Life is church, his body. So what I'm going to do this week now is teach us why we need to be saved, all of us, every single day. And then what the Bible says about how church saves And then just issue a warning if you're still into the idea that Jesus is just about individual people. I'll just save individual people and keep them as individual people. It's like, what? That's not the Bible. Jesus saves church, not individuals. And yes, I know individuals are part of church, but it's like a wrong mindset set. Don't go down that thing. Right, so here's why we need to be saved. So um, we're all sinners, I pretty much say that every week, the Bible says that, Jesus said that, everyone says that, and everyone who's honest knows that, we're all sinners, children you're sinners, adults you're sinners, me, I'm probably, I'm, in fact I know for sure I'm the worst sinner in Park End Church, and hamartia, that word which means sin, basically means to miss a mark. So chill, like my boys are getting into shooting Nerf guns at the moment, they want one for Christmas, a Nerf gun each. Basically you fire a gun, or you fire an arrow, you aim for a mark, and if you miss it, you've missed the mark. And according to the Bible, and church history, world history, humans miss the mark about what it is to be truly human. And Jesus was truly human and showed us all what true life is, what living the true life is, to love the Father and love others. He's the only one that's hit the mark. The rest of us have this problem, this hamartia, this sin, where we miss the mark. And in the Bible, we find we like do it in ways like idolizing stuff, which we shouldn't, and becoming... Shaped in like the image of rubbish gods, which just kill us, like um, money, relationships, um, all sorts of things in the Bible, literally idolizing like horrible false gods, self, pride, um, all that stuff helps us to, causes us to miss the mark. And so Jesus Christ taught how to get back to the mark, how to properly flourish as human beings. That's why Jesus saves. He realigns church people. He saves them to start hitting the mark of what living a proper life is. That is salvation. Don't forget the famous passages in the Bible. Christ died according to the scriptures. What's the scriptures? It's like Moses in the Old Testament. It's the Old Testament scriptures that they all had. And it was all about, what was the message of Moses? It was about church gets released from Egyptian slavery where they were stuck in darkness. They get led by Jesus to meet the Father. That's the scriptures. So Christ died according to the scriptures, which means what? He died to release us from missing the mark and being stuck in slavery, death and all that stuff, decay, sin, to bring us through to meet his father. The power of the darkness is shattered by a greater power. So you're like, all right, now what does that mean for me? Let's just say he's done it for me. What does it look like? I want to carry on in that life. Well, here it is. There is no way to carry on in that life outside of church life and being connected to church. We flourish in that freedom in church, which is Christ's body. So now I'm going to chuck some Bible passages up to back that up, because this is key. And it's all under this warning, beware of a Christianity which is... Him and you, rather than him and church of which you're a part. So there's something so powerful about being part of church because it's bigger than ourselves and bigger than our individual little walks with God, which we so often botch. So, starting in scripture, I reread Exodus and Leviticus <coughs> uh, yesterday and the day before yesterday. Obviously, the Old Testament is all about church. You would be welcomed in to join their church life. And their church life, they would just pitch their tents around the big tent where there was this priest who was offering sacrifices for sin and would walk into the presence of the living God who would live in this tent. And then the living God would give messages to the priest And the priest would come back and tell the people. then the people would tell the priest their issues, their problems, their lives. And the priest would bring it to the living God inside the tent. So obviously, like, you join the church community to get to know the living God. And you're in it together through the priest. And obviously, as you know, Jesus would be born of Mary and would call himself the priest... Scriptures call him the great high priest. Obviously, because it's the same message, then and old, then and now, priest connects us to the living God. It's like, all right, okay, keep on telling us, Owen, other ways of, like, how do we function with this priest? What's it got, like, how do we do this together? All right, here's some more passages. Not passengers, passages, passages. Passage. Some more Bible verses to look at. Alright. Here's Ephesians 2.20. You... So this was to the group of believers in Ephesus. You are no longer foreigners and aliens. That means outsiders. Basically, they've been saved. What does it mean? You're now fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household... Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, which Christ Jesus is a chief cornerstone. So we're here, and Jesus is the cornerstone of church. The like thing that everything else is built on top of. And then of course Moses and the apostles and all that they said about him. That's what we get brought into. That life together. Here's Romans 10, 11 and 12. As the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame, for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord over all, and richly blesses all who call on him. Well, what does that mean? It means the church in Rome, because all the bible 's written to church, is about church and is written to churches that 's saying there 's a multinational multicultural church now in Rome. Jews are in it, Gentiles are in it. But it's all like we're one now as we spread this news that anyone who calls on the Lord will be saved. And then join that multinational, multi-ethnic group of Jesus-centered people. Church, not individuals. Here's an absolute belter. It's back in Ephesians again. This is chapter 3, 10 to 12. Listen to this. His intent, was that now through the church the wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose which he accomplished in Jesus Christ our Lord. In him and through faith in him we approach God. God's like idea and plan is that his wisdom, his message about Jesus Christ is spread through planet Earth through church. Because people get saved in church and through church. Now here's a quick fire list of other ones. Because you cannot connect with these things outside of church. Because there's no salvation outside of church. Mark 16 verse 16 which is read. He who believes and is baptised will be saved. That grace of going through the waters, that powerful means of grace in the church, which washes and cleanses. We all know how it makes us united to the living God, shows the work of Jesus Christ for us, the tangible, physical, spiritual experience of baptism in church, only in church. Here's another one. John 6 54. This is Jesus again. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. That's basically what we some people call communion or the Eucharist, the meal. Where we feed on Jesus. We take this bread. And he's like, look, I'll spell out how you get saved. Eat some bread and you know that you've eaten a meal. Therefore, you can know that you've just fed on me. And you're still part of my body. Now, my blood which cleanses you from all sin. Have a drink. And don't worry trying to figure out how it works. Lots of people will try and do that and no one will really ever know. I'm simplifying this. Just have a drink, and as sure as you've had a drink, you have tasted and drank my body and blood. You are connected to me. I'll sort out the details. You just trust me with everything and drink and eat. Well, where are you going to do that? Outside of church. Here's another warning now from Jesus about individualistic mindset. He who is not with me, this is Matthew twelve thirty, he who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. Off you go and on your own. Because when I bring people in, I bring them in together, into a family. Don't go scattering on your own. Don't be isolated. I was struck this week. We've basically had six months of living in the image of Let's just say God wasn't Trinitarian. He wasn't Father, Son, and Spirit. Let's just say he's just Father or Creator or Ruler. Like Unitarian on his own. Doing what? Just sitting there twiddling his thumbs or just creating things to admire his loneliness or to appease his loneliness. We've lived six months in the image. We've had a taste of what it might be if we were made in the image of a lonely, solitary God. And we've all gone nuts or mad or died because of it. Thank the Lord, he's a loving union of three. Father, Son, Spirit, a church society. And we cannot wait to get back into tasting that again, because it's deadly when we're not part of a communion of three. Here's Jesus again, Matthew 18. If someone caught in sin refuses to listen to the church, let him be to you as an outsider like a non-believing Gentile or tax collector. We need even church discipline to carry on being saved, to rein us back in. Now, I've labored the groundwork there because it's essential. There is no salvation outside of church. And don't wait until you're ready or feeling good about yourself or you think now you haven't, you know, you've done so much good now, you're ready to be accepted in church. No, nope. come as you are. We'll grow together. Just come with all your doubt and lack of trust and your issues and hang-ups. I do every single day. Connect with church people. Get prayed for and pray. Hear the scriptures together. Take sacraments together. Fellowship together. Connect, do good works with each other. massive part of our continued salvation, doing good works for people, all in church. So I'm going to end now by applying it. Because it's, it's a real warning I'm giving. Beware of a you and Jesus salvation. So I give like about three, three times a year. I, I try and write biographies of people, famous saints throughout history. And then I'll teach them in the life of the church. There's, a, there's this thing that happens after the Reformation with quite a lot of the saints... Biography, like famous saints biographies. And it's like, sometimes they grow up in church. And the preachers are saying to them like, church is not enough. You need to have an absolute, individual, personal experience. Your church commitment to church life is not enough. And that starts, and so the personal experience, like being zapped by God in a special, unique way, trumps regular church life and commitment. And I want to issue a warning against that. Now, don't get me wrong. It's amazing to have individual, personal experiences of the living God. And we are to talk and fellowship with the living God ourselves. But when it trumps church life, and it's like your church life counts for nothing unless you've had it, I want to warn against that. To be honest, I mean a lot of Christians... Um, I have to pastor a lot of Christians... ...who are anxious and worried and afraid... ...that they haven't had yet... ...an altogether mind-blowing, catastrophic personal experience with the living God. And they start doubting the work of Jesus for them. But... ...the funny thing is, they've been plugged into church... They've been praying to the living God. They do believe Jesus is Lord. They do take the sacraments. And it's like, where in church history did it start becoming nothing, those things? Like, Jesus wasn't like that. Come, you needy people, feed on me. Beware when teachers make extra hoops that you have to jump through. Before they let you feel that Jesus is Lord of your life. Like you can make a Christ of conviction of sin. I don't quite feel my sin enough. I can't be a Christian yet. You can make a Christ of anything. But we're to make a Christ and a Lord of the Christ. And everything in church is to be Jesus centred. Together we walk. If your Christian life is, like, about Jesus and you, in my experience, I found that such people are, under the surface, filled with doubt, filled with existential worry, like, is this all real enough for me? Am I putting enough effort in? It's all on me. I'm not quite sure if I'm worthy today. I have to withdraw and meditate to get back to that ethereal heaven in my head and convince myself that I am okay with him. Such people might do good works in church life, but they've convinced themselves that counts for nothing, and it's like, no, it's no good. I I did something good today, but it doesn't count because my mind isn't elevated high enough yet. I have to have an ethereal spirituality where I believe I am worthy enough. Then my good works will count. I read biographies, and it's like, "Come out from church and come to Jesus." And I think, "Well, what does that actually? What does that mean? Because Jesus saves us to be part of church. We get saved in church to do what? Carry on living in church." So why undermine everything that's ever gone before it? Okay, people, I understand. There are some people, and the Pharisees were in this group, who can be in church and secretly hate Jesus. But I'll be honest, most people I meet in the pews of church these days and professing Christians, they're not secret Jesus haters. They're people who are like, I do believe he's Lord but boy, I'm a sinner and I go up and down in life. That's so different from being one of those people in church which are like up to your own little regime and schemes and secretly plotting against Jesus. That's not as common as you think. And to say things like, come out from church to Jesus, like we need to be careful with sayings like that to sell a Christianity which doesn't involve just quite straightforward, simple, practical, spiritual life. Where good works for Jesus do count. And he does love them. Here's another one to watch for. You're serving in church, but make sure your motives are righteous. I'm like, dude, I I can't even put the right socks on in the morning. Let alone plumb the depths of my heart to see if I'm in the right place before I get on in church life. Here's another one. That I read in biographies and I hear preachers say, are you coming to God for God or for the desires of your heart? Um, You're obsessed with getting stuff out of Jesus, but you should want Jesus himself. Um, I'm going to take one for the team here, people. Am I coming to God for the right motives? Sometimes, maybe. Um, But I'm pretty sinful. Jeremiah says, my heart is deceitful above all things. Who can know it? It's desperately wicked. So I'm never 100% clear. What should I do? Put the brakes on? Or pray, feed on him, sing, trust, look up with my church people. My worry is, modern churches have so extrapolated faith in Jesus out of church life that our service counts for nothing. I think it's killing Christianity. I think people now have such a warped view of what the spiritual life is, we've, we've locked ourselves away in confusion and we don't know what to do. We don't know how to flourish We don't know what the real spiritual life is. If you wait for the pure motives to serve the living God, you're doomed. Obviously, right? There's a danger that we never examine ourselves to see that we're in the faith. But most people I meet and most people listening now, we're all just aware that we're little slugs full of sin, sin, slithering slowly. To Jesus every day. But our eyes are on him. And we do believe he's Lord. And if we could be rid of sin. We would. And so salvation must be in church. And we must get this right. From the youngest to the oldest. We need to be part of something bigger than ourselves. And that's Park End Presbyterian Church. Which is part of the multinational, worldwide, everlasting body of Jesus. Here's why um, I need spirituality to be practical and I need to be saved through Jesus' body and the waters and the sacraments and the prayers and the singing and the teaching and the fellowship. And I'll be honest now, because I'm 10 different people in one. I said this at a conference last week. Honestly, I can watch a documentary on the Mafia and then want to join the Mafia. And at three o'clock in the morning plot how I could use Pres- Park M Presbyterian Church to like smuggle drugs and Ferraris around Cardiff secretly. And then four o'clock in the morning, I'm like, uh, actually, that's probably not a great idea. Um, I need to watch that sort of lifestyle Need to rein that bit of Owen in. All right. How? What do we do now? Plumb the depths to find the perfect, true Christian motive I have and let that conquer it, conquer all the dark stuff up. I'm the same guy, right, that thinks marriage and family are a gift from God. If done well, it's a picture of the Trinity and that's family and. Marriage, particularly of Jesus and what He's done for His bride, the Church. So it's a great thing. It's not an essential thing to flourish as a human, um, certainly as Jesus proves, but it is. It can be a great part of your life. Then, oh, I wrote these lyrics down. Then the other day, I listened to the radio. On comes Drake, the singer Drake. He goes, "He's a, he's a rapper, by the way, but you all knew that, Park End members." I must keep my connections strictly physical. Everyone that's married is miserable. That's not a lifestyle that I can get into. And I'm like, wait, I thought I was happy. Until this song came on. Wait, I am miserable. What's all this marriage and family thing about? I want to be free from the shackles of that life. And then it's like, oh, wait, no. Uh, better sort that one out. We're so easily influenced. We're ten different people in one. All of us are. Ten different people every single day. What are we going to do to carry on being saved? Wait for the real me, the pure Christian me to flourish. I meet people who are addicted to things. Who wrestle with different versions of themselves throughout the day. Uh, We can be like Dill from To Kill a Mockingbird, who says, our heads teem with eccentric plans, strange longings and quaint fancies. What are you going to do when all that surfaces up? Sit back, wait, access the purity of your mind, meditate... Wait till you can truly say you've let go of the world with both hands and clasped Jesus with both. And you shall never do anything but that. It's like, dude, I'll give you 10 minutes. I'll give you 10 minutes. Because right now, your view of survival and salvation is all on you. You're not looking to him. It's all on you. Like so many biographies make out the personal experienced you on your own. What are you going to do? Because I've just read tons of verses which says salvation is about church. What are we going to do? We run to church. We run to church people. After we hear that Drake song and we're going now to file the marriage divorce papers. It's like, oh no. Uh, After we have watched the Mafia documentary, what do we do? It's, uh, oh no. Thankfully... I've got a prayer meeting booked tonight with church members. And we can pray for each other. And refocus our eyes on Jesus. Oh, thankfully I've got Car Park Communion on Saturday morning. Where I can re-again trust that his body was broken for me. And he's even got me when I want to join the mafia and smuggle drugs around Cardiff. Under the PCW name. (laughs) I'm not going to. I'm not going to. But I might if I'm cut loose on my own. We run to a place where all of aesthetics are Jesus-centered, and so we get one body, mind, and soul back to him. Christian art. To see that and our eyes feed on proper spiritual Jesus-centered art that's physical and redeems our eyes, fills our minds, with Jesus-centred stuff. We run to Christian songs in church, which are Jesus-centred. And we sing with joy. Body, mind, and soul, we're getting saved through all of these things. So I say this as I close now. Praise the Lord that Jesus is so straightforward. He taught a Christianity which was so straightforward. Church is so straightforward, so physical, yet so gloriously spiritual. Jesus was so straightforward, he needed theologians to misunderstand him. And we don't want that in Park End Church. We need the tangible touch points of each other, the sacraments, the focus on Jesus. All the days of our lives. In the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. May we all commit to Jesus and his church and be saved. Amen. Get in touch if you want to join this church. Owen at parkendcardiff.org.